Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Headstrong. This is my final bonus episode of this series, which is coined an innings with. And it involves me, Louis Strong, the host of this show, interviewing and chatting to a number of cricketers to talk to them about their lives and their careers, but notably their vulnerabilities to understand what the word headstrong means to them. This series is sponsored by McGill and Partners and Ascot. And thank you to them for their incredibly generous support throughout this series. We are also supporting the wonderful Ruth Strauss Foundation, which I will explain in further detail later on in the podcast. On this final bonus episode of Headstrong, I am joined with one absolute legend a West Indies legend no less and possibly one of the most famous cricketing moments purely for banter you can possibly remember mind the windows Tino yep you guessed it I am joined by Tino Best we had a chat across the Atlantic he was in Barbados and I was here in the UK and we chatted about his time growing up in the West Indies what that was like and what it was like getting into cricket his family life and how important it is to surround yourself with positive, wonderful individuals and his cricket career. I really hope you enjoy this episode of Headstrong. Alrighty. Tino, thank you very much for joining me on Headstrong. I appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm good, man. What's up, brother? Not a lot is going down. So where are you at the moment? Because you um, look, it looks sunny where you are. Yeah, I'm in Barbados. Um, this is where I live. Um, this is where I reside in beautiful Barbados, man. Yes. I mean, I, I've spent a bit, some time in Barbados and it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Christchurch, just above Oystings. Um, this is where I, I, I live and stuff where my family is. 
Oh, yes. I am very, very jealous of you. I'm not going to lie to you. But <laughs> the English summer is coming. <laughs> but yeah, um, what I'm going to do, I reckon, is I want to just rewind and take things right from the beginning, if that's cool. No, um, no problem, brother. And yeah. talk chronologically about you. Um, mm-hmm. You were born and raised in Barbados, yeah? Yeah, I was born and raised in Barbados. Um, yeah, man, um, my, my half of my family, well, my grandfather migrated. Um, in the wind rush, and he started the whole family up there. So I, I have some of my family, um, have maybe about 20, 25 family members in England, and the rest are here in Barbados. How do you reflect on your childhood then? What was childhood like for you in Barbados growing up? Man, it was amazing. Um, man, like the, I, I think the thing for me as a kid growing up, um, I had an uncle who played cricket for West Indies, um, Carlyle Best who scored a, a test hundred against England and a one day hundred against England as well. So I, I, I grew up in a, in a household of, 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 of awesome people. Uh, my grandmother, her five daughters, including my mom. So my childhood was absolutely amazing. Um, I, 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 when I tell people about my, my childhood, they, they get jealous, <laughs> but my, 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 my childhood was, was awesome. I, 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 I never had anything traumatic happen to me as a kid. Um, so that's something that, that I am grateful for. You know, I know people, have a lot of tough uh, toughness growing up and you know they don't have a very good childhood but i was one of those that was blessed to have a really good childhood yeah for sure you you had a strong group and set of uh women that helped bring you up isn't am i right in saying that yeah for sure uh, my grandmother and her five daughters my mother included uh, mm. my mother was more my my father so she was more the disciplinarian. So the, <laughs> the, 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 other, the other five women were, were like my mothers, uh, my aunt, my four aunts, they were amazing. Uh, my grandmother, she was like, you know, the matriarch of the family. She made sure that I, I focus on my studying, on my cricket. Um, she bought me my first cricket shoes. Uh, so, so I have a very strong bond with those women. Um, you know, my dad wasn't around. Uh, my dad um, suffered with, with, with an addiction, uh, crack cocaine for a long time. And he's good now. And uh, me and my father, we have a fantastic relationship. I love my dad. And, um, you know, he wasn't there for me, but I had so much love around me that I can't, like, hate my dad or say, you know, I don't want to talk to you, dad, because you weren't there for me as a kid. I kind of understand his journey and everybody got to go through their journey. So um, that's something that I, I, I never held it against my dad. And, and I'm happy now. So did you not see him when you were younger? No, not at all. Um, I first met my dad... Um, in my consciousness, my dad was around me when I was young. Like my mom and, 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 and my dad explained, you know, he was in my life until I was about five years old. And then um, he himself and my mom, they, they didn't get along well and they, they broke it off. And, you know, he went into this whole spiral of his life. And the, like, the next time I saw my dad, it was about six years later. And then I, I realized, oh, yes, this is my dad. And everything started to come back to me. Yes, I, the memories and everything came back, like, you know, but... Um, I love my dad, man, but he wasn't there. And it, I mean, when I look back at life, um, in my teenage years, because after that, I went and joined the army when I was about 16 years old. Um, I miss my dad. I, I think that if I had my dad around, it would have, it would have, it would, it would have, it would have helped me tremendously because boys need a dad, um, no matter what they, they need, um, someone that helped created them. I know sometimes it, it can affect you. I can inspire you, but, um, I think it was half and half for me. So 
I wish my dad was wrong, but he wasn't. And you know, I I turn I still turn out to be a decent human being. So so good stuff with my mom and and and, and my grandmother and them. From a from the sporting perspective, then from having that male figure around, was there anyone that you did look up to? Like you know, for example, your uncle. Was it your uncle that you were looking up to for that kind of? sporting fatherly figure or of course you mentioned your mum being that disciplinarian father figure but was there somebody else as well yeah i mean my uncle was was the number one that's my hero um i mean my uncle bring me around the brought me around the barbados and west indies team in the, in the late 80s and, and and the 90s so i i grew up in the west indies and a barbados dress room so i knew exactly what it took to be a professional cricketer because i was seeing it right there in front of me um my uncle was my first hero. He was he was my he was someone I looked up to consistently for a long time. When I got about twenty, when I when I made a big break in my career, um, Courtney Brown was someone that I absolutely loved. Someone who took care of me and showed me the ropes of being a professional cricketer and being a professional man as well. Um, in the BDS sports program, um, when I joined the army program when I was about sixteen and nine months old, um, there were so many father figures in that program. I had a commander. Uh, Lieutenant Commander David Dorridge. I had Henderson Springer, who's went on to be a West Indies coach. I'm still a Barbados cricket director now. I have so many people to look up to. So even though my father wasn't around, I was always associating myself with people who were great, who were going to help me live this dream or who were going to help me to become a, a good human being. So with that then, what is your earliest memory of cricket because of course if you grew up in the dressing room but what was the your first ever memory my first memory of cricket bro was um me being at primary school and and back in the caribbean we had these little trans and uh, trans uh, transit radio some little small radios that people used to put in their head and i remember overhearing um the, the my class teacher saying you know your uncle is like batting really well at kensington oval and you know I was about, I think it was about, I was about nine years old, nine, yeah, about nine and a half, going ten. And where where my school was, it was my school, um, about a mile, about half a mile away was my house, and then another half a mile was Kensington Oval. So I went, I went around, I went through the, the the cemetery. There was a shortcut, so I went, I dashed through the cemetery and got to cricket after tea. Uh, my uncle was batting against England and. My I, I studied the whole entire evening, and my uncle scored a test hundred, and the people run on the field, lift him up, hoist him up, and from that moment, um, I said I want to be a West Indian cricketer. Like so, I was like nine years old, and this was like my dream from that moment. I wanted to be like my uncle Carly Best. I remember walking back up the, the the street, going back to my house, and walking amongst the the crowds, and they were saying, "Oh my God, Carly back is so well today. You see how he hooked." And he cut old oh God and Viv and and just to hear the, the the crowd talking about how phenomenal my uncle was, how awesome Viv was, I was like, Wow, I am I am definitely going cricket tomorrow morning, which would have been a <laughs> Saturday. And I am gonna be in the dressing room, I'm gonna see it first and and that's what I wanna do. So that was my first memory as a kid saying, I want to be great. I, I want to play for West Indies. I wanted to be an opening batsman. And look what happened. I turned up to be an opening <laughs> bowler. <laughs> yeah. So life, when, when life, when things give you melons, you just, you just, you just make um, watermelon juice. You know what I mean? When life serves you limes, they say, you make lemonade. So 
I, I, it didn't turn out to be an opening batsman, but it turned out to be an opening bowler. So I Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I mean, everything I know about the Caribbean, there's a real competitiveness, which is like amazing, particularly in, in the islands as well. Um, but as growing up as a kid, what was that competitiveness like trying to get into that cricket team, trying to be the opening batsman, trying to be the opening bowler? Was there like a competitiveness as individuals or was there quite a supportive kind of atmosphere or is it a balance of both? Well, before, before that whole, whole competitiveness started, it started in my neighbourhood. I wanted to be the best cricketer in my neighborhood. Uh, we used to play tape ball cricket where we, we got the tennis ball and we tape the entire ball um, and we play on hard road. So the ball like flies off. And I remember um, playing um, tape ball cricket and in, a, in, a, in the schoolyard because where I live, I live near a school as well. We call it St. Leonard's Secondary School, St. Leonard's Boys School. So we, we used to go in there on Sunday mornings and we play from like 11 a.m. to like 3 p.m. in the evening. And this was like hand after hand. So I would play against the big men. Sometimes you get hit on your jaw. Sometimes you get hit on your head. But I always have my protection. <laughs> my, mom, my, mom, my mom never let me left the house without wearing my, 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 my protective um, guard. And I used to go and play with the big men. And these guys were big hardback men. I was like 9, 10 years old. And I wanted to dominate them. And sometimes when I didn't dominate it, I would cry. And they, and they always love that. They love the, the fact that I always wanted to do well. So to, to earn their, their respect and, their, and to be competitive in my neighborhood was my first, um, first thing I had to do. I had to, I had to accomplish that. And then me and my best friend, um, Ryan Paul, um, we would get on our bicycles and we would ride around certain, all the villages surrounding my neighborhood. And we would look for games. We were, we were right about on our bikes looking to play cricket every evening after school. So it was, we used to do our, 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 our homework. But sometimes we didn't do our homework, we used to get in trouble because we, the evening time we were going looking to play games. And we were going to all the other neighborhoods and we tried to dominate that neighborhood. Like, so that's why I started to build a reputation as Carly Bess's nephew who can play cricket really good. And one day everyone said, you're going to play for the West Indies. You're going to play that like, you've got so much heart. You've got so much passion. Like, you're so competitive. And then as I got older, I started to, to, to bowl because sometimes I would get up quickly and I had to get a bat in. So you, you had to learn how to bowl as well. So you became an all-rounder. That's why a lot of people see me now and say, why didn't you become an all-rounder? You know, like you can bat, bowl and feel really good. Like it's just, you know, it didn't work. Out. I just, I just started to love bowling more than batting. But that was the first competitiveness. Competitive juices really started for me as a kid. I'm going to dominate my neighborhood, wanted to be the best cricketer in the surrounding neighborhoods. So when I was 16 and I joined the BDF and I joined the BDF sports program, I, it, it, this is a program that um, has five disciplines. So if you mm. read my book, you would, I went in in depth and, and, and told the radiate, the radiate, the reader exactly what the program is about. So you got boxing, you got athletics, you got football, you got cricket and you got table tennis. So five disciplines. Mm. And what that does is like they go to communities around Barbados and they pick like the best young emerging talent or talent that just need guiding. You know what I mean? Um, they, 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 they speak to some of the, the boards, the, the, the table tennis board, the football association, and they get guys who are fringe players who are not in the actual national team, but guys who have the potential to, to, to get better. So I joined the BDF and that was a whole different scenario i would have to be competitive so i had a fight to get a, a starting job 
in the in the BDF. And I, I was a water boy for like two or three years. So um this is how incredible this is. So between 1998 and 2001, no one never heard of me. Uh, I remember going to on the 19 trials for Barbados and I got kicked off the team because I turned up late. And it wasn't a, a fault of mine. It was it was that the army didn't let you out of camp until 3.30 on the evening when practice starts at three. They didn't care. But as I got to practice, I um I got kicked off the team and that was heartbreaking for me, but I never let it deter me because I knew what I wanted. I knew what I needed to do to get to, to be a first class cricketer, to be a professional cricketer. And so I didn't play on the 15th for Barbados. I didn't play on the 19th for Barbados. And, you know, clearly and truly, most players would have given up and I, you would have gone over to the army full time and you would say that I can just be a full time soldier. But that, that wasn't for me. I, I, I wanted more. And I remember South Africa came in 2001. And we were net bowlers and, and they were like six or seven net bowlers because they like to use the guys from the army as the net bowlers because we were fitter and we could bowl longer mm-hmm. and they could get a better, they could get a better knock. So they're using us. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were just using us. And I remember I was a little shorter than I am 5'8 now. Um, back in 2001, I was maybe like maybe 5'7. I was maybe an inch. I, I, I grew an inch. So I was about 19 years old at that time. I was going to be 20 that year because i'm going to be 40 this year i was going to be 20 that year so it's like 20 years ago and i remember going into the nets and the the, the coach at the time gave me the ball and he said you know the fast bowlers we want you here the spinners we're not ready for you yet we're gonna we're gonna deal with the fast bowlers so gary kirsten um i i ran up to bowl at gary kirsten the great gary kirsten and the first ball I hit him in his head and he smashed in the helmet and he was like wow and he checks the pitch and, you know, he fixes how he checks the pitch. And then the other four guys come in and ball and he just smashes them. Bam, bam, bam. And then I came in the next ball, flew past him before he can react. Um, the, 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 the coach at the time was a bowling coach called Corey Van Zyl. He had his baseball mitt. First time I ever saw a baseball mitt around cricket. And as he goes to dub the ball, the ball busts through. And he's like, wow, this kid is genuinely quick. And then the next ball, I mean, I just beat Gary Kirsten for pace. It was like easy for me. And I remember um, Darren Cullinan calling me over. The coaches called me like, have you ever been caught? I was like, no, nah, I, I don't even get a play um, in the, on a Saturday on a weekend for the Army. I'm actually the water boy. They don't, they, I mean, I am a replay. Like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, one, I'm always 12 or 35. I never, I never really get an opportunity because there's the swim bowler. There's one of the guys who swings the ball more than me. There's one of the guys who get more bounce than me. And then we play, sometimes we play two spinners. So most of the time I am 12th man or 30th man. But all the while I am training. So even though I'm disappointed, I'm not playing on a Saturday. I'm training every day. I'm, I take my frustration off, frustration out in the gym, running, just being physically fit. Because I, I don't know, I, I don't know what I was preparing myself for, but God is good, brother. And I remember he said, you bowling over 90 miles an hour. And I was like, wow, like, I, I'm, am I that quick? He's like, yes, there's Graham Ford. And he gets on television and he, and he, and he basically says to the, to, to the press, um, the most exciting prospect I've seen in the Caribbean, this little kid called Tino Best. Uh, Carly Best is his uncle, so I'm not sure if you guys can remember him as a little kid. But he is a 90 mile an hour bowler. You guys need to 
look after him. And everyone was like, what? Is he 19 miles an hour? Like, that's cricket. Walter is about to retire. This is 2001. So Walter is about to retire. We have Cameron Cuffey. We have Mervyn Dillon. We have, um, I can't remember who was the other, Rion King, maybe. Yeah, Rion King, Marlon Black. Um, Rion King is 19 miles an hour. So they're like saying this kid is 19 miles away. How have we picked up on this kid yet? And I never played on a 19. You guys never give me an opportunity. So, <laughs> they, so that was April 2001. So I got invited to trials November 2001. If you read my book, bro, um, you would absolutely freak out. I have so much messages from people just saying, this is an incredible story. So I got invited to trials and I'm nervous. I'm like, wow, like how quickly have my life propelled me? Like these guys from South Africa come and they say this about me. And now I'm, I'm with the big boys. So I'm at a trial game for the Barbados national team, like the first class team. And I play my first trial game. I got smoked, bro. I got <laughs> mashed. <laughs> I bowl, I bowl like maybe 13 overs for like, like 80 something runs. Man, look, the guy, Dale Richards near killed me. Sherwin Campbell, Philo Wallace, like all these guys like took turns in like smashing me. And, Everyone, it was a little crowd at the, the trial game as well. Um, and they said, you know, this, this kid is nothing. Man, these, 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 these guys gas you, gas up these kids. These kids are not ready for this big league. And guys were like surprised. But what really happened is that the surface, the pitch, was, it was very slow. So my life balls was just standing up and I, I, I tried to hit the deck. But the ball wasn't coming off. It was just easy. Slow pitch. There was a lot, yeah. It was a lot of rain the week leading up to the trial game, and the pitch, the pitch got wet, so it wasn't no pace in the pitch. And I remember that game started a Friday, so I only got one opportunity to bowl, and the game finished on the Sunday. It was a three-day trial game, and I remember one of the the selectors. I, I, I was I was wet behind the ears. I didn't know what was going on and stuff. And I remember one of the selectors called me the Sunday in the bar area uh, after the game. And he said to me, he said, Tino, you got some talent, but I don't think you're ready yet for this level. Um, you're not going to be in the next trial game. And, you know, you know, you, 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 you need some stuff. You need your action started and, uh, and so forth, so forth. And, but you're not going to be a part of the trials anymore. And I was like, wow, like only one chance. Like, and he was like, yeah, because, you know, other guys are going to come in. We're trying to look at other guys, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, cool. As I walked across the cricket field with my gear bike, about to get on a maxi taxi back to my house in here, so I was crying. I was, I was crying. I was, I was crying because I never got an offer. I never got a chance. Like, everyone always beating me down. Um, I'm too small. Uh, I'm not strong enough to make it. I will never be as good as my uncle. All these people just shouting this shit at me, man. And I was... Um, just disappointed. Spewing. Yeah, and I remember going, getting home by my mom's and I remember I sat on the staircase and I, I was crying. And, and while I was crying, excuse me, I was crying, she, she said to me, are you going to let someone, are you going to let a man stop you from achieving your dream? I said, but mom, he's a selector. He kicked me off the team. And she was like saying, so what? 
What you need to do is go and practice. They have they, they're going to practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. Just go and practice. Show an interest, you know. I was like, but mom, I don't want to be pimping and thinking that I'm I'm hard up to get a chance. She said, Tino, if you don't show interest, people don't know you're interested. And I'm finished talking to you. I don't have nothing else to say to you. I told you my mom was my father. Yeah. <laughs> and she was just like, she was just giving it to me. And then um, I remember going back into camp um, on the Monday and the guys realizing that I was out the trials. And they laughed at me. They was like, oh, we told you that you're just a net bowler. You're never going to make it. You're, you're absolute crap. Um, you, those South Africans a couple months ago just gas you up. Um, and, and, and they're laughing because they came and watched the game. And they're, mimic, and they're, and they're mimicking like what happened. Like, oh, the last Mogi Bowl, the guy cut him over the pavilion and bam, and mashed up some cars over there. And, yeah. and, 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 and they're laughing. And I'm, I'm just, I, just went, I just left the bar room and I went to the gym. And I just train and I run. And, and then the, the Tuesday and the Wednesday, I went to the practice. So I went to the, 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 the Barbados team practice. And man, no one wanted to bat. When I tell you I bowl, I think I bowl about 100 miles an hour. Real <laughs> talk, bro. No one wanted to bat me for those two days. At the end of the Wednesday, the Wednesday evening, Sherwin Campbell, he, came, he comes up to me while I take my boots off. And he says, he says to me, he says, Tino, why didn't you bowl like this last weekend? And I said to him, I say, Sherwin Campbell, this is a great Sherwin Campbell. This is the Barbados captain. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. said to him, I, I, I said, I said, I said, I said, master, we call him the master. I said, master, I was nervous, bro. I, I mean, there was so much expectations. I wanted to do well. People didn't rate me. And he said, look, you are the quickest bowler in Barbados. <laughs> like, I, I, I know, realize, I, I can see it, like, all you need is some support, bro. I was like, man, I'm not even in the trials anymore. He said, no, nah, listen to me. This is what I want you to do. Bro, like, true story, bro. I said it in my book. People freak out like this. Sherman Campbell said to me, he said, Tino, tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, I want you to walk with your boots and your whites and your havasat. Don't roll with your gear by because you're not a part of it. Guys pull up every day at trials. I want you to just come. Okay, you don't know what might happen, but if something happens, I can pull you in. I will speak to one of the said. I said, you sure? He said, I'm the Barbados captain. I said, yeah. Okay. I was like, okay, bro. I said, okay, cool. So Thursday morning, I went to camp the Thursday morning. I explained it to my, my sergeant. He said, okay, Tino, don't worry. Go, got on my bicycle, rode down to Weymouth Cricket Ground. And first session came, second session came, no one. And I just, I got frustrated. I said, you know what? Next year, next season is a, is another chance, man. I'm a I'm a trying for next year, man. I I know I believe in myself. I Campbell say that I I can do this. I I know I'm good. So as I'm about to leave, I remember something my grandmother said. She said, "Don't ever not tell someone thank you when they're trying to help you." You know what I mean? Like even if it don't work out, you say to them thank you. And I put my bicycle back and I walk to the dressing room. And as I'm approaching Sherman Campbell, I say, "Yo, bro." I'm about to give him a, a fist. And I say, thanks a lot, man. You know, I'm, I'm a shoot off. He's like, did you bring? So before I can get any of this out, right? Before I can get any of this out, bro. He goes, did you bring your boots and your clothes? I was like, huh? Um, Ian Bradshaw said his knee is sore. He, he doesn't want to bowl anymore. So what basically happened in the game? Campbell 11 got bowled off for like 140 by T. So they had like seven overs to bowl. Um, 
before the tee interval. So Bradshaw pulls up in that, in those bowling three, I think three or four of those overs, his knee is sore. He hates trial games. <laughs> and he, Campbell said, go change. I need to speak to one of the selectors. He's like, who's the selector here? So I'm, I'm absolutely in tatters because is it the same selector? Because I didn't know that selectors are, they come in threes. There are three selectors, the captain and the coach that picks the team, five people. I'm saying, oh my God, but that's the, the selector that kicked me off last Sunday. I'm like, my heart is beating like, oh my God, he's going to say no. But it was another selector. say, oh, F. Bradshaw, yeah, you can let Tino play. And ironically for me, the guy that was the other selector that I did not even know, he's a Pickwick member. So before I went in the army, I played for Pickwick. Pickwick is my, my, my first team I ever played cricket for big men because remember, I live 500 yards from Kensington Oval. I grew up just up the street from Kensington Oval. So Pickwick was my club. Usually my club is umpire which is my uncle played for for many years. But I like Pickwick because they were much nicer to me <laughs> yeah. than, the, than the guys at Empire. So um, the, the, the selector at the time, um, he was a top man. And he said, yeah, let Tino play, man. I mean, we need a bo- your bowler sharp and stuff. I was like, what? You, sh- you, you should have never given me another opportunity. Bro, I put my whites on and tied my boots so tight. And I, and I went on a warm-up just before we went back out. And I closed my eyes and I said, and I said to God, I said, God, look, I don't want to ask you for, for nothing. I don't want to ask you for nothing. All I want you to just help me to just be calm. If you help me to be calm, I can express myself. Like, I can really do what I know what I can do. I, I'm worth it. I know that I'm good. Bro, and I, and I remember when we come back out now in the huddle, team, Campbell goes, all right, guys, you know, we batted absolute crap. Uh, let's get some wickets. Uh, we got one more session. Let's be professional, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Tino, I'm starting back with you. I was like, what? Brand new, about half, seven overs old. I'm bowling the eighth over. I said, what? Bro, I bowl, I think I bowl in that session, I bowl 12 overs or 11 overs. They took the ball out of me. I got three wickets for like 40 runs. I hit three guys in the head, made one retire. And everyone was freaking out. I think I bowl about 98 miles an hour that evening. Um, Ironically for me, the last session, the TV cameras came. So the sports news were there filming all of the bowling. Like they saw everything. So on the evening news, when I walked off the evening of the game, everyone clapped. So they had a little crowd coming in from work, watching the game, and everyone clapped and said, Wow, this kid has just put his name in the final in well in the squad. We can't let this kid, we can't make this kid a reserve. This kid is more than 90 miles an hour. And my life changed from that moment, bro. I love that's, it. That's, yeah, that's, that's why I became Tino Bass. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I mean, Tino, yeah. you talked about the, uh, like some of the emotional apprehension of kind of when you first rocked up there. Can you just like explain that a little bit further? Like, what were those nerves? What were those feelings that you were going through? Well, when I rocked up the ball or when I rocked up the, 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 the morning? You know, like you've got the Barbados captain there putting his faith in you. Because yeah. he's oh, seen yeah. and he's seen your mental drive to turn up to those nets despite the rejection, and he's yeah. actually still got confidence in you. What does that do to your emotions? Well, I mean, it started from my mom. Um, you know, my, my mom is who started from the Sunday Sunday evening and told me to go to practice on the Tuesday and the Wednesday. So I just went to practice and I just bowl hard. And for him to come up to me and say to me, Look, you're the quickest bowler in Barbados, I want you to express yourself. Um, and then 
for, for Ian Bradshaw need to be hurting him. Like, man, that's God sent. Like, I'm saying, like, that's when preparation meets opportunity. And I, 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 I was I, like, sometimes when I talk about it, I get goosebumps because I never know what was going to happen. But I was always focused. I was always saying, if you give me the right environment to express myself, I know that I can do it. I know I'm a cricketer. I come from cricketing genes. I, I, I have greatness in my blood. I know I'm going to play for West Indies. Like, I don't care what no one said to me, Lewis. I knew that I was going to play for West Indies from since. I saw my uncle as a nine-year-old kid score that 100 for West Indies and said, I am going to play for West Indies. So emotionally, I was always strong. Like my mental, like my mom was fueling that. Like I could have been a broken kid, but because my mom was like always in my, in my skin, like she was always saying, oh, good, you're good, you're great. Stop worrying. What you need to do is prepare yourself. Go and practice. Keep training. Eat good. Stay fit. Stay healthy. Don't worry what people say. She was always like that, that barrier for me. And, and that was what my dad was supposed to be doing. So <laughs> it was, it, my mom was, was always there for me, like grinding me all the time, bigging me up and, and even pulling me up as well, telling me I'm, a, I'm an idiot when I was, I, I was an idiot. So it, 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 I always had that strength of mind. I always had that, you know, I'm a small man, but I, I walked to Mount Giants, man. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. And it sounds like your mum's a real rock. But let's talk about the Windies now then. This series is brought to you by two magnificent sponsors, Ascot Group and McGill and Partners. Ascot Group is a global speciality insurance and reinsurance group with a record of underwriting excellence and superior claims service. Founded in 2001, the company provides a broad range of property and casualty solutions to customers worldwide through its platforms in London, Bermuda and the United States. Ascot is a long-standing supporter of charities with a link to sport, including ongoing sponsorship of the Great Britain Wheelchair Rugby Club. With a recent increase in mental health awareness, the company is particularly proud to support Headstrong Season 5 and Innings With, which focuses on the psychological well-being challenges that arise from professional sports. McGill & Partners is a boutique insurance broker, helping corporate clients find specialist solutions for their most challenging and complex risks. Growing rapidly since its launch in 2019, the company operates in the UK, Europe and the United States and prides itself on working with some of the biggest companies in the world. And you can find out more on their website, mcgillpartners.com. McGill and Partners understands high performance and the mental health challenges that can be associated with it, regardless of the industry people are working in. The company is fully committed to their employees' well-being and are delighted to be sponsoring the Headstrong podcast series. It is also delighted to support the Ruth Strauss Foundation. Thank you to these two wonderful sponsors. Let's talk about that call-up then. Where, Where were you? What was the call up? Was it a phone call? And were you expecting it? Well, um, you know, the, the previous, so, so, so I, I, I got, I made a Barbados team now January 2002. Yeah. So I, I opened the bowling. I, ha- I took 20, I think I took 20 wickets in five games. Got my, the final game of the season, I got a Fifer. Uh, my first game for Barbados, I got four wickets for 50 runs. I got a wicket in my first over. So it was like a, such a sweet fairy tale. Like, like my mom was at Kensington, she was screaming. Um, we played against Guyana, had like 8,000 people. Everyone came to see how quick Tino Best could bowl. I didn't disappoint. 
<laughs> I love the Kensington I, Oval as well. Love it. Yeah, I, this is all Kensington. I remember I had a nightmare the night before the first game. Yeah. I, I dreamt like every the Kensington Oval was burst. And I ran into ball and the ball came out so slow and everyone laughed. I was like, oh, you're so slow. I always had that phobia. Like I have had dreams. And I had a brilliant first game. We won my first game for Barbados. I was I contributed. And then I finished that season, 20 wickets, five games. I got an 18 call. I was I freaked out like I, I couldn't believe that I was on a West Indies 18. They were fast tracking me. Yeah. And then the I didn't know they, I, I played that 18. I had an okay 18. I had a, I got one Pfeiffer, did well. Uh the next season was was really my season. I said Courtney Brown became the captain, who is my mentor. So he said, Look, I know how to bowl you. So I played nine games for Barbados 2003 season, 40 wickets. So I got the West Indies call-up. So I remember I was holding with my mom and the phone rang and the president of the Barbados Cricket Association, Stephen Alley, may he continue to rest in peace. He goes, Tino is with, with, with great pleasure and, 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 you know, great excitement to give you this news. I say, what's up? He said, you just being picked for West Indies. I, I dropped the phone, bro. <laughs> I ran downstairs. Obviously, I got a photo speaker, ran downstairs. He repeats himself to my mom. We start to cry. <laughs> and my mom is absolutely crying. And I'm, I'm crying because she's crying. And, and we're like, oh my God, this is like, I say, it's like, I've been in the lotto. That's what you feel like. Feel like, well, that's an amazing feeling. Like, I started crying because I couldn't believe, like, as a kid, I mean, and, and before two minutes, my, my, someone was knocking on the door. It was depressed. And they had the cameras and I was like, and we were crying and my mom, it was exciting times. I was like, wow, I made a Mercedes team. Like, this, and I called my uncle and he pulled me like, you made a squad. You haven't made a team yet. Ah, uh, good you know, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was keep always, keep he you was, grounded, Tino. Yeah. My uncle was always checking me, man. So it, 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 was, it was a surreal feeling. And, and mm. you know, I have that image in my Instagram. If you go through my Instagram, I always got that picture of me and my mom. I'm just about 21 years old and I'm crying and my mom is, we're, we're just full of excitement. And I think that's, that's a great emotion. That's, that's a great feeling. Like, so I, I, I know how it is to, to get that phone call. No matter what country you play for, you get that childhood dream call. That is something you live for, bro. Well, exactly, but it just shows what it meant to you, and that's what's so important, yeah. I think. Um, you you have played a lot of cricket now in England as well, including that season with Yorkshire as well. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the English cricket scene then? What do you do? You like playing cricket in England? I mean, obviously the pitches differ significantly to what what Barbados delivers, um, you know. But how, how, did you enjoy playing? Did you enjoy playing cricket in England? Yeah, love it, uh, and Hampshire as well. Um, yeah, Yorkshire. Yorkshire is different. Yorkshire is traditional. <laughs> uh, the Roses game is like Barbados versus Trinidad. It was, yeah. it is, it is like serious, like serious energy. Um, I love my time at Yorkshire, brother. Um, it is one of the most incredible clubs I've played for. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I had a real good time at Headley. I met some amazing people, still have good um, friendships to this day. And it, it, it was awesome um, to play. I, to be honest, my favorite country was is Surrey. I love Surrey. <laughs> I always I always wanted to play for Surrey. Um, yeah, yeah, the Oval. Because what happened is that my grandfather, because they live in Croydon, Torrington Heath, he uh, liked he liked Surrey. He used to follow Surrey. 
So as a kid growing up, I used to hear my granddad, he would send me pictures of, of Surrey and, and you know what I mean? So, so when I got the opportunity to meet, to keep, to meet Keith Mellicott, um, he wanted, before I played for Barbados and West Indies, I played with Keith Mellicott and he wanted to bring me up to, to, to England for the second, for the second team. So in that year that the South Africans discovered me, that was in April, 2001, but in, in September, 2001, I went and played something called the Pro-Am, which is like the England pros come down to, to Barbados and play. Yeah. In our, well, played in like after season cricket. It's more like fun in the sun, kind of for, the, for, the, for them to let down the hair. But we play some, some games. So it's Keith Mellicott 11. There's the, uh, a couple of legends. Um, um, there's another name, like, um, so you have like the, all the pros, like Darren Maddy plays. There's like enough pros that come down. McGrath, the, the Yorkshiremen's come, everyone comes down and play these program games. And I played with the Keith Mellicott and Gavin Hamilton and Ed Giddens saw I was playing in the team with them. And they, they did an article in the paper about how quickly I, I can bowl. And they were freaking out and saying, bowl night. I still have the article. Uh, I will send it to you. Uh, I have yeah, it in yeah, my yeah. scrapbook. And they, they, they did a big article. And that article came out. I'll show you how, how crazy the life is or how. Sometimes in life, everything happens in the stars aligned. The trial game that I came back in and I got the, the three wickets, right? And the TV camera was there. They showed live on TV on the Thursday, Thursday night. So on the Friday morning, the article came out with Ed Giddens and, and Gavin Hamilton talking how quickly I bowled by, by Barry Wilkinson. And also there was another piece on me on the trial game. So, so everyone was like reading about me twice. They saw me on television at nighttime. Then they're reading about me in the sports news twice. So, so, so it just goes to show you like everything aligned perfectly. Like nothing happens before time, bro. So, 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 Surrey was my team. I always wanted to play for Surrey. <laughs> but I love a lot English of people game. do. It's a beautiful club. Yeah. But Yorkshire was always that, that real, you know, proper team cricket. That, yeah, proper cricket. So I played for the big boys. I played for one of the, arguably the, the most successful county ever in England. That was a great experience, brother. I love cricket in England. I still, I still play with lashings um, when, the, when the opportunity pre presents itself. But I love cricket in England. I love, cricket is, playing cricket in England is the best thing on earth. There's no other country I love playing cricket in other than England. England is the best place to play cricket, the best place to learn your game. And then one of the best places and the best, the best crowds and the best people. So much atmosphere. Even playing club cricket is so competitive. It's awesome. I love playing cricket in England. Love it. And also, speaking of tradition, of course, you've, had, you've, you've been able to play at Lords a few times. Um, yeah, a few times. <laughs> um, uh, you're going to absolutely hate me for bringing it up. I <laughs> no, have to talk all, about bro. it. You know exactly what <laughs> I'm going to talk about, don't you? <laughs> it's absolutely. literally my favourite literally my favorite thing to watch um it's you know when freddie flintoff's in the slips and he's back chatting you and you're at the crease i don't know why are you down seven or eight down yeah i i, I tell you i tell you the sequence of that game yeah um, yeah go on back in the series in the caribbean it was me and freddie at it and <laughs> <Bless> <laughs> and me and freddie was at it in the caribbean so Bless you, bless you. So it was me and Freddie at it in the Caribbean. And I remember in Trinidad, I knocked over NASA. He came out to bat. The umpire still had the ball in his pocket. 
and I ran up without the ball and bowled it and he's go ducking and he cusses me out and I laugh. I say, yeah, I made his skin. Uh, so every time I came into bat, he would give me a little chirp or I would give him a little chirp. So at large, so fast forward a couple of months now, I'm at large. I've just suffered, I'm suffering from a stress, uh, um, a stress fracture. So every time I go down to bat, I can feel the pain in my leg. So Ashley Jones, holding yeah. the Caribbean series, every time he bought a chip, I hit him back over his head for six. I hit him for a couple of bodies in the Caribbean. I felt confident against him. You know, Ashley Jones, not a great turn of the ball. He's going to always get the ball to drifting at you. I backed myself against him. And as I come out to bat, I hear Freddie mind the window. And I wasn't really, I wasn't really taking it on, you know. But I just couldn't stand Ashley Jones. I just, I just wanted to hit him to the moon, bro. I, he, I think Freddie knew that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I think he knew it. He knew it from you. Yeah, he knew that. He, did, he knew he did it. I did it right, Ashley. And he's like, my mind away knows, you know. And, and I, I just chipped, bro. And I missed. Man, and everyone was, was on me, you know, for every time I go to England. Mind the window. Literally every said, time. Every time. And I remember, I remember 2007, I came back for the first time since the incident. And oh, 2006, I think I came my 18 tour 2006. Yeah. And I, I didn't really hear much people say to me. And then 2007, I came back with lashes and I was hearing it. And, and, I, and I said, well, what are you guys talking about? Is that a thing? It was like, yeah, this is supposed to be a funny thing in England. Like me, I was like, for real? Because in the Caribbean, we don't hear, no one tells me that. The eyeball at 90 plus miles an hour, no one's going to tell me my windows. I'll, I'll break your rib or hit you in the head. So I was like, so David Forbes, he said to me, Tino, don't get upset at it. Laugh at it. It is a great marketing tool. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, Use yeah. it. Embrace so I was like, it. for real? Yeah, I was like, but they're kind of like disrespecting me. He's like, no, they're not. They like you. People it's like endearing. You. Yeah, they like you, Tino. And plus you're like, they, they, can, they can connect with you. Don't worry about it. Just love it. And from that day, that was summer 2007. I embraced it. I was like, okay, if I go England and because they mind the windows, I was like, yeah. And, and then everyone would be like, yeah, Tino, you're awesome. And then, and I always, at the back of my mind, I said, the next time I play against England, I'm going to burst their backside. I'm going to cream their bowling. And 2012 was the first time I played against England since 2004, bro. Yeah. So I walk out, a long time, so seven years. So I walk out the back. And I mean, I, I, I play, I, I was playing international cricket between the, that, that period, but I didn't get to play against England in England. Yeah. So when I walk out the bat, Sunil Narayan was making his debut. So I was coming back into the team for the first time in two and a half, nearly three years. So I was 31 now. So 10 years, 10 and a half years since I made my debut, I was a, I was a much more mature player. I was a lot of things I've let pass and I've matured. And as I walked out of Egg Baston, I remember. It was cool. And Finn, Stephen Finn bowled a, a length ball and I drove, I missed it. And the guys started to chirp. Ah, well, bowl Finny, yeah, you know, you know, a little bit of chirp. They didn't tell me mind the windows, to be honest. But I remember after playing that shot, I marked my crease. And I remember a tweet that Freddie said. He said, Tino Best has just come back into the West Indies team. I don't think the English boys will lose much sleep over him. Mind the windows, Tino. And he laughed. I was like, okay, Freddie. But I, I was going to reply something personal and say something that happened. But I said, man, nah, I'll let Freddie be Freddie. 
I, I'll leave him alone and just concentrate on my cricket. So I said, this is the day for you to knock that monkey off your back, Tino. They don't know you were opening batsmen until you're about 16, 17, and you just stop worrying about batting. And I just, I just went berserk. 95 and 112 balls. Love it. Highest score, highest score by a number 11 in the history of Test cricket. So I held the record for a year until a real number five, Ashton Agar, who was a, a proper batsman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 98. But my thing is, is that I went to hit a six for my 100. I didn't care. I didn't care about getting 100. I'm just trying to, to show them I can bat. Like I'm not a rabbit. And then I got up for 95 and that was it. I mean, it was amazing. Not, but my main emphasis was batting. And then the way I bowled against England, I got, I think I got two for 30 from 30. I bowled quick. I got up to 94, 94, 95 miles an hour at 31 years old. I got Strauss out, I bowled down Bristol. I knew how he bat from Yorkshire days. Yeah, of course. And I had a, I had a magnificent comeback. And I got man of the match as well. And that, for, for those three years that I wasn't in the West Indies thing, I was watching Fire in Babylon every single day after practice. So when I played for Barbados, I walked with the CD, the DVD, every day, every moment I got, I watched Fire in Babylon. And that helped me push harder. I say, anytime I get back on the international circuit, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to shock the world. And I did that, bro. So, I mean, that was a little, that was a little moment for me to, to feel good about. So it made me even feel better about my new windows. So every time they say, mind the windows, I say, don't forget the 95. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's good that you learned to embrace that. I think it's, as you, whoever told you that it was a good marketing, it was so yeah, true. David, you know? David, it's a crowd pleaser. Yeah, yeah, David Forbes. David, David, give him big respect. David Forbes from Lashley's uh, All-Stars. David Forbes told me, man, embrace it, bro. Don't fight it. You're a, you're a wonderful, you're a talented cricketer. The people that are, are making the sport, they never even play the match at Lords for the most of test match embrace it and i, oh. I, I did that man yeah oh, that's the best it. advice it's very very good advice i mean you've had a great career tino uh in terms of cricket but everything else as well but there was a you have found yourself you're no stranger to injury as well and that's fair to say isn't it and that probably comes with the, the strain that you put your body under and everything like that but how do you struggle uh or did you struggle kind of being in and out of various different teams because you, you know, as you said there, you spent three years out of the Windies team through whatever reason, whatever reasons it may have been, but you did you find it difficult of, of hopping from team to team or were you kind of focused on yourself and your own cricket? Um, no, I always have a problem with injuries. I got one injury in 19 years, um, a stress factor. Yeah. Uh, it put me out of cricket for seven months. Uh, I never, I never, I, I popped my hamstring, a ball with a pop hamstring in Bangladesh got three or four injections, got my best figures on one leg, six for 40 on the flattest wicket in the world. <laughs> so injuries, I bowl with a side strain tear, tear from my, 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 my obliques. Totally. You, if you look at the x-ray, you saw it open up. I bowl with that. I got another six for 60. So injuries, bowling with injuries is not nothing new to me. Um, but I was not out of cricket for a long period. I only had one serious injury, never had a surgery. And my side strain, it healed in three weeks. Ironically, I don't know why it healed. It was supposed to be seven weeks. It healed in three. My hamstring healed in three weeks. I, I, I guess I had uh, crazy muscle fibers. <laughs> but um, I, in the Caribbean, bro, me out of the team was not about talent. It was more about politics. Yeah. Uh, about, about who the captain wanted at that particular time. I was always dominant for Barbados. If you look at my, my record regionally, I was the most dominant fast bowler for like a 10, 12-year period. There was no bowler better than me in regional cricketing. But in these islands, bro, it's not how talented you are. It's not about how good you are. It's all about who's in charge. 
who's running things. So if who's running don't like you, Lewis, I think you you struggle. So that's why I went and played some Yorkshire cricket. I went and played with Hampshire. I played with Lashes. I played um, with my, my native Barbados for so long. I, I got the record for Barbados. I've ever had the same opportunity for West Indies that I had for Barbados. I would have had 250 test wickets, bro. I'm not saying I would have had 500 test wickets. I would have had minimum 250 test wickets easily. I would have been a top bowler. But I never had the opportunity. I played 25 tests in 11 years. That can't come down to talent, bro. That's, that is politics. That's the truth. Because if you're dominating first-class cricket, you can't try and tell me that my name should have been. I was always the fittest. I was always the strongest. I was always the fastest. There's no bowler in the Caribbean that's more faster than me between 2002 to 2017 when I done playing. I even went to the Masters cricket and I bowled 144 <laughs> at age 40. I'm 40 years I old. I love it. I know, that's epic. Bro. They have never been stronger or fitter than me. But my energy, my energy, my, my, the same things people love you for and the same thing people hate you for. And that it was, was, was always against me in these small islands. It was never about um, how talented I was. But when you look at my record, I, I mean, originally, come on. It was all about who they wanted, who, who people block you in this part of the world a lot. And I was one of those players that got blocked a lot. But that's water, water under the bridge. Um, I don't dwell on it, bro. I got what was for me. And I'm still getting. I'm, I'm, I'm now into strength and conditioning. Uh, I do my studies. I, I just passed my, my, my personal fitness course. I'm doing my S&C course now. I've got a nutrition course to do. I've got a corrective lifting um, course to do. And I'm doing it on the ISSA, um, the International Sports and Science Association of America. So I'm being certified. And, and that's my passion. I train every day, Lewis. I train twice a day, five days a week. I always keep the guns going. <laughs> I always keep the guns and I'm into nutrition and I'm into helping people achieve their jobs. I mean, achieve their goals. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have, I have 12 clients that come to, I have a home gym. I've got 12 people that come to me on a daily basis to train and they look phenomenal. They feel phenomenal about themselves. Um, I'm the strength and conditioning coach for Zooks in the CPL. So I've moved on. I've moved on to my passion. I was in, I was in TV a little bit, but obviously um, yeah, yeah, different yeah. thing. Different people take over, so they're pushing other people, and that's that. I have no problem with that. You know what I mean? But I am doing what I love to do, which is fitness, which is health, and I absolutely love it, bro. I love it, I, and I, I follow you on Instagram and stuff. It's great. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> yeah. want to have a look at. Um, I just want to quickly touch on the Barbados, uh, not the Barbados, the West Indies team in the current mm. climate. I want to talk about as a pundit. Let's put your pundit cap back on. <laughs> And I want to kind of talk about what you think the West Indies cricket team is going through now compared to what you went through in terms of the political side of things and where it stands in its cricketing world and, you know, leading on to the T20 World Cup that's coming up at the end of the year. What, are they, yeah. what, 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 do, you, what do you think is going to happen there? And also, is West Indies cricket in a good place at the moment? Yeah, let me start with the, the last question. I think West Indies cricket is in a good place right now, to be honest, um, especially the test team. I love the test team. Um, there's no egos in that test team. Mm. There's no big IPL stars that don't want to play because they're preparing themselves for IP nothing. You know what I mean? So that test team, which is to me the purest form of the game, which I absolutely love. I me think too. they're doing really well against Sri Lanka. Uh, Craig Braff is a new captain. And what that does is allow Jason Holder to, to be the best cricketer that he can be. He doesn't have the pressure. And the team is going to build themselves around him. And even though he's not the captain, but he's the number one all-rounder. He's a 
quality cricketer. So really and truly, the test team is in a good place. West Indies cricket is in a good place. So that is good. When they come down to the T20 World Cup, I'm not sure what combinations they're going to go with, but they need to, to involve Andre Russell. Once they get Andre Russell going, I think that the team can build themselves around that, around him, and they can be competitive. I'm not sure if they, they, they can win the World Cup T20, but when I really look at it, I don't think, I don't think why they shouldn't win it World Cup. That's the honest truth because West Indies are the most talented team. They've got the best finishers and the best cricketers. Um, I think the the England as well, England as well is a very good team. But I don't see England beating West Indies on their day. That's the honest truth. Like if West Indies play to their potential, England have no chance, brother. And at the end of the day, I think that India as well is a good team. But tournament cricket, that's what it comes down to, bro. Series cricket is yeah, cool, of course, of but course. tournament cricket. West Indies are the double defending champions in the T Twenty World Cup. When it comes to tournament cricket, West Indies just turn up. You can't write them off, brother. So um, I think moving forward with West Indies cricket, I think they are in a good place. Um, at the end of the day, once the insularity and stuff comes out the cricket and finds it ways to exit from wrong uh, people's existence, I think that's when you're going to see an even better product. Of West Indies cricket because the talent is there, brother. We have the most gifted cricketers on earth, but it's all about management. How are we going to of manage course. our cricketers and stuff? So I would like to see um, West Indies managing um, West Indies selectors managing the team. Like how England manage their team. I think England have a tremendous team, a wonderful one-day team. They have every single um, good cricketer. They have a leg spinner. They have a fast bowler. They have openers. They have a bit a lot of batsmen. A wonderful team. You know what I mean? So the way how England managed that squad is what I would love to see how West Indies managed their squads. It would be interesting to see what it would be like if you, the, the management and the infrastructure was there permanently. You know what I mean? And the, from the, from that, 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 that level would be fantastic. And hopefully it's certainly on its way there compared to probably from your days of political cricket, certainly in, heading in the right direction, I would say. Yeah, for sure. I, I, think, I think back in the day, what, what have been so aggrieved to the players is, is, is the, the, the boards. I, I, look, from the days of Sagarapi, you hear this all the time in the dressing room with the players. You, you hear from my uncle, my uncle here from the generation before him, the generation before him, leading right back to the, the 1920s when we first started. The board always take more, more than what they give the players. And players have always gotten peanuts from the board. When guys are making when guys are making twenty thousand in the fifties and sixties, we were getting paid a hundred dollars, and we were the, we were very good. So 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 the disparity was always a big gap between that. When I first made Barbados team, I got paid a uh, hundred and fifty US dollars to play first class game, brother. Wow. Yeah. That's compared crazy. to to yeah compared to what the test made. the test players were getting paid four thousand US. So you had to play for West Indies to make a good living. So that's something that pushed me even harder. So, so, so the players for, for many years, the board have been taking, 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 and the players haven't gotten it. Every time a new board come in, a new whatever structure come in, they take, they get all the TV money for themselves and never, they hardly look after the players. So I think that it might be changing now. Players, I, I think the best thing and the worst thing has happened for world cricket in terms of West Indies, franchise cricket. Then I get sure. a good IPL and make a million dollars. I look, Andrew Russell makes 1.7 million US a season in the IPL. I know. When he plays for, for West Indies, he makes 2,000 US a, a game. 
<laughs> you see why? Yeah. Correct. The retainer contracts in the, the retainer contracts in the West is 150,000 US. No, I feel you. Compa- I feel you. Comparison to what? IPL and those things and other leagues around the world. So I think the best thing that has happened has happened and the worst thing has happened as well. So I, I and and West Indies, we, we live in a small market. That that's one of the things that really um hurts the West Indies players as well. We, we the, the board is not able to give out a million dollar contract or five hundred thousand US dollar contract because they don't have that that money coming in in terms of big TV deals and so forth. After they start to get those things, then that will improve. And I think the players will improve and the player will improve and the product will look a lot better um, to invest in for, for outside people to invest in. But I think they're on the right track now and I, I wish them all the best. That's the honest truth. I agree. Right, Tino, this is the last question that I ask every guest that comes on the podcast. <laughs> what does the word headstrong mean to you? Headstrong. Uh, I'll tell you what it means in my family. It means hard ears, own way, and mischievous. <laughs> <laughs> so you. That is me. That is me. That was me one time. But no, I'm a, I'm a good boy. I'm a, I'm a saint. I have one girlfriend and she lives with me and I'm a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a player anymore. <laughs> oh my God, Tino, I love it. Oh my God. Well, look, I, I've really enjoyed this. Uh, when I'm next out in Barbados, we'll have to go for a Banks and then uh, um, of we'll do a workout before as well. Um, but Definitely. yeah, look, I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, my th- thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, I wish you all the best and, um, oh, and, and stay safe. Yeah, look after yourself. Yeah. Same to you, brother. Peace and love. Manners and respect all the time, my brother. Respect. We are supporting the Ruth Strauss Foundation with Headstrong and Innings With. Sir Andrew Strauss lost his wife to non-smoking lung cancer in 2018. Just before her death, Ruth and Andrew discussed the idea of setting up a foundation to help other families who would be facing a similar ordeal. The Ruth Strauss Foundation wants to ensure that all families with dependent children facing the death of a parent are offered emotional support and guidance to prepare for the future, allowing them to make the most of their time together. In tandem, they are driving the need for more research and collaboration in the fight against non-smoking lung cancers, which are on the rise and to which Ruth ultimately lost her life. You can support their cause by making a donation today. To donate, text RSF10 to 70191 to donate £10. Or you can donate online at virginmoneygiving.com forward slash fund forward slash headstrong forward slash RSF. Thank you for all your support of Headstrong and the Ruth Strauss Foundation. And that's it for this bonus episode of Headstrong. Thank you very much indeed to Tino Best for joining me and replying to my message on Instagram to have a chat on Headstrong. I really enjoyed that episode and I have to say it didn't take much prep for me. So thanks, Tino. If you've enjoyed this episode, there are plenty more in the series with loads of cricketers, including Jason Holder, Dom Bess, Joss Butler and many, many more. On Monday will be my final episode with the man that is Sir Andrew Strauss. Now, if you have enjoyed this series as well, please do share it with anybody that might like cricket and indeed anyone that doesn't like cricket because I've got a number of other guests that I have talked to in a similar fashion. 
For now, though, that's it from me. Thank you so much for joining me on Headstrong. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.